welcome to episode 48 of the All Things Trends and Wellness podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke. And on this episode, I had the pleasure in interviewing the man, the myth, the legend that is Mr. Jim Winler. On this episode, me and Jim discuss many topics, including Jim's background, influences on Jim as a coach, as a lifter, and in his life in general, problems that Jim sees within the strength and conditioning and fitness industry, Jim's thoughts on dynamic effort training for beginners and in general. We also discuss 531, of course. We discuss some business advice. And we also discuss Jim's current goals for life and in training. We also discuss many more topics throughout the show. This was an extremely informative show. It was a really fun show to do. And I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, okay, Mr. Jim Winler, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on my podcast. You're definitely someone who I have huge respect for in the whole strength and conditioning game and powerlifting game. Um, so thank you, thanks a million for taking time out of your day. Just for uh, the listeners, Jim, who may not be familiar with who you are, which I would imagine would be no one, uh, just fill us in on your on your background, please. Uh, I started strength training when I uh, was, I don't know, I guess around 13. It was between the, my 7th and 8th grade year that summer. And uh, I pestered my dad for you know several years prior to that, and uh, he... My dad's kind of a, an old coach kind of guy, and, uh, and he looked at me uh, and said, you know, well, if you start, you don't get it, you know, you don't uh, get the option to quit. And uh, so I haven't quit since, you know, I was that age. And uh, all the way up in, until I was 25, I guess, 24, I trained exclusively for uh, football, basically. I played for sports, but football was my main sport. Uh, and I played uh, through college, and from there, I uh, obviously wanted to continue to train. And I started uh, to uh, train, you know, exclusively for powerlifting. Uh, I needed an outlet to train. And I figured that would be it, and uh, so I started doing that. I was a uh, worked at the University of Kentucky uh, as a strength and conditioning coach for two years. And then I ended up leaving there and working full time at uh, Elite FTS, uh, Elite Fitness Systems with Dave Tate, mm. and uh, did that for uh, I don't know, maybe eight, eight or nine years, ten years, I think total. I used to, I did a lot of stuff with Dave prior to me working there full time, and then uh, from there I, uh, I was continuing to power lift. And then I'm kind of on my own now. I do uh, a couple different things, uh, but uh, I've since left. And uh, you know, I wrote the uh, wrote a couple books within that time, and uh, I did fairly well in pilot. I didn't set any world records or anything, but uh, you know, I did well enough. But that's just the basic background. Most of my training, the vast, vast majority of my training, has been for sports, and so I always kind of come from that background uh, of, of maybe a little different perspective than uh, people who are involved with uh, power sports at an early age, such as, or you know, powerlifting, I should say, or you know, Olympic lifting or something like that. So, uh, so maybe there's a little more of a unique uh, twist to some of the stuff I do, just because that's how I was, you know, brought up, and that's the people I read and the people I admired were involved in either you know, football or uh, the track events, the shot put, discus, stuff like that. So, that's the basic background. I've been training a long time, mostly training for sports. That's about it. So, 
Jim, who, who would you say have been your biggest influences on you as a as a coach, lifter, and as a person? Uh, just there's been two main people. My father, who was a uh, he was actually one of my track coaches in high school, but he was the one that kind of instilled uh, the work ethic. Um, and you know, we lived in a very excuse-free home. Uh, there was no. Uh, you never got to say I can't or I, you know, I won't or I, you know, whatever, any kind of negative attitude. Uh, he didn't have a background in lifting, uh, but he had a background in sports. So we were in a very competitive family. So that's just the way things were. And, and then the other one by far was my high school discus coach, uh, who also, uh, probably influenced me as far as training more than anyone could ever it would be Darren Llewellyn. He was a, a teacher at my high school. I didn't actually have him for a teacher, but we did my discus coach. We ended up spending uh, basically the last you know for four years of my high school career in a weight room together. And he is the one that uh, you know I still talk to him today about training, and he knows more about being a you know, training for athletes and, and stuff like that than anyone I've ever met. Uh, a tremendous athlete himself, but uh, he along with my dad were not only, you know, instrumental in, as far as, you know, sports and, and training, but uh, everything they taught me about, you know, life and stuff like that had been through, you know, sports. Because it's such a big, big deal in, uh, in my, you know, growing up. You know, I'll give you an example. Darren, uh, he never told me how to train. Uh, he always asked me questions and made me figure shit out for myself. And it might take me a day, it might take me a year to figure shit out. But uh, that learning process, you know, obviously applies to life, too. Uh, you know, searching, critically thinking about stuff. Uh, you know, black isn't always black, white isn't always white uh, in regards to some of the stuff that we do. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, obviously carried over. And he is, both my father and Darren uh, were huge proponents of, you know, both themselves and in their presentation or you know, speaking to me about goal setting. You know, Darren, I'll uh, give you an example. You know, he, he always had goals no matter what. And they might be ridiculous goals. I call them those things called Mount Everest goals. You know, Mount Everest, there's no point to climbing Mount Everest other than to climb Mount Everest, right? Like there's no pot of gold or anything like that. So, you know, you just set goals no matter what they are and, and you go about achieving them and then you learn a lot on the way there, whether it be about training or about yourself or you know, kind of the breakdown of the of your character and see how you respond. So uh, I'd say those two people, it's not even close. You know, I, I, I've been asked this question a, a bunch of times, and those have always been my answers, mm. at least now that I really look back and think about it. But, you know, there's obviously you read and, and you're, you're around different lifters and stuff like that, but looking back, is, you know, I've never learned more about training life and, and stuff like that than those two uh, fine gentlemen. Jim, what, what would you say are the biggest problems you see within our industry, so strength and conditioning, powerlifting, just the training industry as a whole? The biggest problem? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I try not to think too much about the problems. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, there's always, I'm 
trying to think of the stuff that stands out the most. Um, wow. I would guess that, I, I think a lot of, yeah, I guess this would probably be it. I think a lot of people, at least the ones that call themselves experts are, you know, trying to find a way in, the, in this industry or, you know, to make some money or, you know, do this uh, professionally or however you want to say it. I think, I think they expect uh, shit to happen overnight. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, you make a couple blog posts, you know, six months, a year's worth or something like that, and, and they expect to sell hundreds and thousands of copies of whatever book they're selling or, or whatever they're trying to, to promote. I think it, you need to let that build and you need to develop, you know, in order to, you know, to develop and to, to develop a, a trust with the reader, uh, with your clientele, with your fans and stuff like that, or whatever, however you want to classify them, I just think there needs to be, uh, you know, and, and if someone makes a ton of money and sells a ton of books after, you know, a year or five years in the scene, that's great. You know, good for them. I'm never going to down capitalism. I think that's ridiculous. But I think people are expecting that, and they don't understand. It takes time. You know, uh, and, you know, I had been training before I even wrote my first book. I had trained for, uh, you know, 20 years. I mean, hard. I mean, I'm talking not, I never took days off. That's 20 years of experience. And then, you know, just before I sold my book, I had been doing, you know, stuff for free for, uh, I don't know, 10, you know, at least on the internet for free, Mm. 10 years. And I think that it just <clears throat> don't, <clears throat> and again, if someone makes a lot of money or, or gets a great following in a short amount of time, I, more power to them because I wish I, it took me a couple of years only. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, uh, it's an unrealistic expectation. And one of the things that I think really helped me out was when I first started uh, answering questions on EFS and, and writing programs and shit like that, I never had a, I never had an idea that I was going to write a book. Okay? It was just because that's what you do. Mm. You do all this stuff for free, and that's just the way it goes. And, and so I, I guess, you know, maybe I, I had an idea. I wanted to write a book one day, but I never never really influenced what I did. You know, there was, I would say, for 10 years, approximately, uh, a slow month of answering questions you know, via EFS, especially on emails, was maybe 1,500 to 2,000. And that's and that's being very generous. And people don't understand, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it takes some time, and I think you have to be patient. But I think the results end up being greater and longer-lasting. If you do, it's like training. You build that base, you know, for 15 or 20 years, and now you you know you can kind of call your own shots, so to speak, in training. You don't need to go crazy all the time. Uh, you know, I'll give you, here's a great example. I you know my whole life I've been running and training and running and running and running and training. And now you know I'm almost I'm 39 years old, and I can eat whatever the hell I want. Like it doesn't. Uh, I don't get fat. And it's not because obviously I eat, I don't eat fat all the time. But I don't count calories. I eat candy bars whenever the hell I want. 
because I have a tremendous amount of uh, training background. You know, yeah. It just doesn't affect me. Yeah, yeah. Now, you take the same person who hasn't trained, and they, yeah, they need to watch what they eat and shit like that, and it's the same kind of thing with this. Is you kind of you build your base, and you're able to do more things that you want to do uh, because you have that... Uh, Jim, you touched on um, the importance of strength in that answer, and I've always wanted to ask someone of your caliber or or a Dave Tate or someone with a, with a very in depth powerlifting background. Uh, with regards to the dynamic effort method, Jim, when do you think someone should incorporate that into training? Because you see a lot of beginners who quote unquote aren't that strong doing like quote unquote West Side. And they're doing the dynamic. Yeah. They're doing the dy- dynamic method, but like I, I, always know that if like you or Dave walked in, you'd be like, you guys just need to do like more strength or repetition work. So my, 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 yeah. my, my question would be like, at, at what strength level do you think someone gets a benefit from dynamic effort? Well, I, I, this is a, a good question. I'll, I'll shoot this out at you. Uh, my youngest son uses it, but he doesn't use it.
overall explosion and, and power than uh, you know speed work as, as people know it today. So now, as far as to answer your question, without you know diverging it, yeah, I don't I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, and I think more you know more people need to be jumping on boxes, bounding, and stuff like that if they're ready for it. As far as bounding, I mean, anyone can jump on a box. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, at least you know people in our world, um, and, and I, you know who can't throw a medicine ball. Um, but anyway, uh, but for you know the beginner and stuff, the answer is no. I don't think they should be using it mm-hmm. at all. But you can't tell someone you know who is so eager to go out and, and not try shit and stuff like that because they're going to do it anyway yeah yeah and for me i you know if someone asks me like you ask me my opinion my opinion is no fuck no not even close fuck uh you know you have a zealous kid you know i'm just happy that he's out there trying new shit because eventually you know 10 or 15 down years down the line you know he's going to look back he's going to learn something from that mm. and i think that's maybe the positive thing that you're going to get you know you when you go out, you know, strength training without a lot of, you know, we didn't have many books, you know, I didn't have resources and stuff like there is today. Uh, so you kind of had to do a lot more trial and error. And that is a good and bad thing, obviously bad, because sometimes it takes you longer to find your way. But you end up learning way more uh, rather than just following something. And you end up, uh, how do I put this? You learn more, and you, you can. I guess it's easier to find your own way when you when you start with your own way. I guess so. Uh, yeah, you know, technically, no, it's not uh, the, the traditional thing that we think of the speed work is not applicable uh, to, to beginners. But at the same time, once again, you can only give people advice. You know, you know, they're they're going to do what they're going to do. And if they really believe it, then fuck it, you know, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So you can only best educate them. But yeah, I, I really think the, that's one of the missing components in training is, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the speed work as far as, you know, athletically jumping, throwing, stuff like that. That was one of the first things we did in training when I was a kid, was incorporating that shit in your... So I, I find it very hard to believe that we've regressed in a lot of areas of training that people aren't using that as, as a part of their training. It's the same thing with like stretching and mobility work. It's made a big comeback. But when I first started training, that was a huge thing. I mean, that's just what you did. You know, everyone, you know, you, you didn't just lift weights. Everyone ran, everyone jumped, everyone stretched, everyone lifted heavy to tell. And the workouts were, you know, an hour. I mean, the shit that you've read about a million times, it's been around forever. It just kind of goes in waves. So... It was a big realization to me that the same principles I learned when I was with Darren and my father, you know, haven't changed that much. It's just sometimes you tweak things, you know, here and there. But, yeah. you know, touch your toes, you know, do some squats and runs, you'd be good. But uh, for 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 powerlifters, though, do you still think, obviously, that there's benefit to dynamic effort? So, like, someone of your caliber, do, do you feel you got benefit from dynamic effort? Because I've often read some articles from other powerlifters and they're like, dynamic does shit for my bench or squat and the other guys swear by it then. So 
What, what, what was your take on dynamic effort method at Westside or when you trained? Uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't think it helped my bench at all. Um, because I was already, you know, coming from that athletic background, I was already fairly fast. Um, and I liked it when I squatted because I was naturally explosive. So I felt like I got, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, of course I gravitated. Uh, but the funny thing is, is you know, I'm, whenever we do dynamic stuff, you know, we always worked up. I mean, no one wants to sit around with 405 or whatever on the bar forever. It's just boring as shit, you know. So it always turned up into priming the system a little bit and then uh, and then working up, which is funny because when I, we were in high school, we used to do box jumps in between our our sets of uh, bench, squat, or uh, clean. Because what you, you find out is that, you know, it helps activate your central nervous system a little bit and makes you feel like you know how to turn everything on. Yeah. You know, your central nervous system isn't, like you can't just have her body, you know, just because you're dynamic, you can jump between your bench sets and, and be faster benching because you turn everything on. It's yeah. not just about upper body. Definitely, yeah. So uh, I think, you know, did I get some stuff up? Yeah, I mean, we you build up some volume and stuff, but I think the problem is, is, when I first started, I would read the article, you know, with, with and I, you end up, you know, the 600 plus squatter at the time, you know, I, before I started training with the West Side, I did 725 and just reps. And, you know, then you, I have to squat 350, you know, for multiple sets. That's, that's way too light. I mean, that can be, you know, so I, you need to kind of think about it. You know, I needed to be around, you know, obviously 70 to, 80% mm-hmm. uh, to really get something out of it. So things get a little bit skewed, I think, when you take everything at face value in an article. You have to kind of take a step back yeah. and critically think about what you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, it, you know, it helped a little bit, but it, we, yeah, you got to go, if you want to lift heavy weights, you got to train heavy. Yeah. Mean, that's just the way it is. Definitely. Uh, it's, it's, so. it's funny... It's funny you mentioned the, the the jump squats in between the bench press. Uh, I was just at a seminar last weekend with uh, Christian Thibodeau, uh, Christian Thibodeau mm-hmm. from, from Canada, and he spoke about uh, you know uh, when you walk into the gym and you have one of those days where you just don't feel up to it. He said the best thing to do is to go off and do a few few uh, box jumps or a few squat jumps, and he says because it revs up your CNS and it'll be able to kind of prime you for your for your session. So yeah, we. I had some guys training here one day, and and uh, they were benching at uh, I have a gym in my garage. You know, it's not like a. I don't. It's not a public gym or anything. You know, I don't. Well, anyway, like uh, they were kind of feeling shitty on the bench, and I'm like, dude, just do you know between your uh, maybe do five sets or so of uh, three on box jumps, working up, and uh, all of a sudden they're like, dude, this I feel great now. I'm like, yeah, that's that's you know. Because training is, you know, people, I think, want to compartmentalize their body and their training. All the time. You know, like, if you, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, when you have a weak lockout, it's my triceps. But it's not your triceps. Don't be silly. I mean, come on. You know, it, it's your whole body is involved when you when you do a lift. So, you know, it's, I think that's largely due to, you know, America bodybuilding is such a huge part of, uh, strength and conditioning. Yeah. So it ends up being very body part oriented rather than, you know, a lot of 
countries, you know, we'll just use Russia as an example. You know, Olympic weightlifting was the big thing. So that's heavily influenced in how they uh, did their sports science and stuff like that. So there you go. It's a question I've wanted to ask too, Jim, is, you know, AJ Roberts and Dave, they've, they've heavily gotten into bodybuilding since retiring. Would you ever consider doing that yourself? a special breed <laughs> yeah you know and it takes uh yeah it's just not you know i trained for sports my whole life it's like it, it's been so everything I, i've always you know, that's why i developed a program with a lot of you know personal records and breaking through that's how you know, i love being competitive in the weight room that's just how i am i just can't just do a rep just to do a rep mm. i just gotta have meaning behind shit you know i just feel i, I would be bored I mean, I would, and this is, you know, I can probably count uh, how many sets of, you know, bodybuilding moves I've done. I don't, you know, it's just, it's just not very many. It just doesn't interest me. You know, that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, eh. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, listening to pop music. Like, it's just horrible to me. I just, man, you know, if, if someone likes it, that's fine, but I just don't understand it. So. Yeah. Jim, just moving away from training. Um, last night, mm-hmm. I l- last night I, I watched your YouTube video that you did at uh, Mark Ripito's place on, on business, and uh, you know fa- yeah. it was re- really good. Really, really enjoyed it. And um, you know, again, what, you. what 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 kind of strikes me with you, you know, similar to kind of Dave, you both you guys speak so much about passion. Have a passion. Um, so can you maybe just touch into? Some of the topics you, you spoke about in that uh, in that presentation, huh. and and the, the you give me you give me way too much credit. I I couldn't I'm, I don't remember anything. Um, uh, it, it was but, but I I, I, I tell you sorry to interrupt, but just w- one thing I do want you to, to also speak about, and you kind of touched on it there with the bodybuilding question. I I loved the the part you you said in it. You you get those people who all they do is they work. They love their work. They love their work. You're like. I like to live my life. <laughs> He's like, you know, you're like, I, I like to do this so I can play with my kids and, you know, be with my wife and train. Yeah. And, uh, so can you, you know, th- that was one part I loved. And then also talking about, you know, you need to have a passion or something. So, I mean, if you want to delve into that, go ahead. Yeah, well, the, the, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's funny because when I gave that, I'll give you a little background, is, you know, whenever I've done stuff with Mark, it's always been about training. And so I had prepared a, a seminar uh, and then, uh, you know, a week prior, Mark's like, hey, just, I 
want you to do something with, you know, strength training as a business model. But fuck not, dude. One, I don't really know a lot about it. At least I didn't think I did. And two, it's like, uh, do it just a week, you know. <laughs> I got to prepare for this. So when I went there, you know, the, I, uh, I, I didn't want to sit there and, like, pretend I was this great businessman like you see a lot of these people doing, you know. Uh, you know, there's the sales copy and shit like that. Because that's just not me and it doesn't interest me. Um, but... The whole point of, you know, I made was there's, if you own your own business or do stuff, you know, you have to, you either fall into one or, you got two categories. You have the person that loves the business. Like they love looking at the spreadsheets and figuring out trends and whatever. And their passion is business. Hmm. You know, they'll, they'll work those 15 hour days and, and they won't write about it on Facebook. You know, they'll embrace it because that is their, their passion. And that's, you know, that's, that's great because that's what they love to do. Um, and then you have someone like me who, you know, I, I love having my own business because that business allows me to do other stuff. So my business is never going to grow into, you know, a $10 million business just because I don't want to do the work and I don't have that mind and that passion for to doing that. I would rather, you know, build it up to where, to a point where I can now uh, do the stuff I want to do. You know, I can go uh, take a weekend off and, and go with my family somewhere. I can take a couple days off here and there to go play a couple gigs with my band or, you know, we can just have a good time. Uh, and, or I can take the day off and be with my uh, kids, you know, and just hang out and do whatever, go to the park or whatever and, and do stupid shit. So... It's almost like uh, I do all that the work and the business, so I don't have to do all these. So I can do all this great stuff. And I think what happens is a lot of people in the industry uh, don't realize that you know, like we all have this passion for training. We love it, or you wouldn't be doing it. At least I think most people. I mean, love love it. I can't live without it, kind of stuff. And they realize when they go in the business that. A lot of that stuff gets thrown away because now you have to run a business. Like it's like people who love, who open gyms, they fail miserably because they are too concentrated on the training than on the, the actual business model and, and bringing revenue and you know the shit that keeps things up. That's why like my wife is a great at business. She's awesome at it. So she handles all the business shit. Mm. I'm just I call myself the talent, you know, as a joke. Um, and so that allows us to uh, to have. Uh, a very, you know, we're not rich by any means, trust me. You know, we, we have problems just like everyone else, but we'd rather have that and live, you know, be able to do the things that we would love to do and be with each other. And I'd rather have that than just, you know, sit behind a desk and, and figure out new sales and do this and do that and whatever. So, but the, the, the passion thing is, you know, Gene Simmons, the lead singer of Kiss, always said, you know, there's always something that you love to do that you're talented and just that someone will pay you for, you know, and you just have to find it. And uh, now, I, I obviously a lot of people aren't going to make a ton of money doing what they're really passionate about, but um, even if you work a job that you hate, 
you know, nine to five shit job that you, you know, you hate your boss. You know, when you come home, I, I think it's important that everyone, no matter who they are or what they do, or need to have something that they just love and look forward to every day. Mm-hmm. And it could be anything. It could be, you know, writing books. It could be model, you know, refixing cars, you know, model trains. I don't know what it is, whatever. Mm-hmm. And just because it helps. You know, if you just go to work every day, come back home and just sit on your ass and sit on your couch and just wither away, it's a waste of a life. Mm-hmm. You're literally just wasting everything away. And you're going to die and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, at least go have, like, a purpose outside of, you know, bringing home a paycheck and drinking beer. Yeah. That doesn't count as a passion. Yeah. <laughs> drinking beer. <laughs> and I just, you know, it, it would help. It would, I think it would solve a lot of the shit that goes on in this country. There's so much just People are, you don't see a lot of people who are passionate about jazz music or, you know, play and, uh, you know, every, I'm just, you know, who are great painters or whatever. They don't go out and do stupid shit and, and just bring everyone down with the negativity because they're too busy doing the shit that they love. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be learned that, you know, even, you know, a lot of people say they, they hate their jobs and that's fine, but imagine if you could just leave work and, you know, work at work and come home and just be engrossed in a, in a life and a passion that you absolutely love. Yeah. So, yeah, I, did, I, I just don't understand. Like, you, you walk around sometimes and, you know, I'm so excited about training. I love music. Like, it's just, I can't stop thinking about it and stuff. And I don't know if everyone has that when I they go to the, grocery store and pick up some eggs and stuff and you see people all dredged out and with, you know, the weight of the world on their back. And I just don't know. Do they do anything other than just survive? Yeah. The, 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 there's a, a famous saying um, by uh, Paul Cech and it, uh, it's um, when you find your purpose in life you don't need a crisis. So I I always thought, I always thought that was brilliant. You, you know, you get these people who like always have dramas in their lives. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sad, mm-hmm. or whatever. And Paul would always say, you know, when you find your purpose, you don't need that crisis to hang on to anymore. So I, I guess that's kind of what you're seeing when you're going to that supermarket. Everyone's just kind of walking around with the weight of the world. And there's you who loves lifting and loves absolutely loves music. And you're just thinking, why is everyone not as happy as me? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, even the, the you know in this of course. There's a lot of people out there, obviously, in this world who don't have the advantages that, that a lot of us have. Oh, yeah. But I'm not talking about that. But, you know, you have, I mean, people have just tremendous opportunities. And it doesn't, you know, to just grab life and do something with it. And they'd rather not. It's, you know what? And I, my wife always makes this point. It's hard to be happy sometimes. You know, it's easy to complain and it's easy to bitch and it's, easy to be the martyr like oh well is me you know mm. it's hard like, you have to work a little bit to be happy mm-hmm. you know you have to set, set yourself off a little bit and make some time and uh, so I think it's you know it's just kind of a you have the, the several generations now of people who've had it very easy at least in this country yeah and they don't know like you gotta you gotta work a little bit you know you gotta struggle a little bit to, to be happy and you gotta earn it a little bit uh, you know, it's. I always hear people say, like, uh, you know, oh, I hate school, dude. And I just, and there's generally people who have struggled in school. But I think a lot of people 
behind the impression that, you know, school, like everyone else loves school. Like, oh, God, I can't wait for biology. Dude, it sucks. It sucks, you know, having to study for this and study for that and write this paper and write that paper and fail and fail and then, you know, pick yourself up. But it's just, you know, you, you have to make a lot of sacrifices to get to where you are. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they haven't really had a fight for anything. You know, everything's pretty much given to them. So, and I'm not talking about, you know, most of the people in this country, you know, compared to other countries, have it very easy. Yeah, it's, I just, it's, it's just depressing. I just see a lot of wasted lives. And it's just like, man, there's people out there that would love to have, you know, half the shit that you got, you know, the badges, and you just piss them all down the train. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, there, there, there's, a, there, there's a, a comedian, Louis C.K. Have you ever heard of Louis C.K.? Oh, yeah. I love Louis. Um, what is, yeah, in fact, I, talked, I think I may have talked about him in the business model. He is one of the, my favorite business people in the world. Yeah, what he's done. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. But no, what did he say? It's just funny. He he talks about uh, you know um, people in the Western world, like you know even Ireland, England. But he was talking about America more so. But he was saying that he was like you know people who live here, you don't have problems. You have what's called white people problems. He's like a real problem. Yeah. He's like a real problem is like oh they're cutting their heads off today. That's a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now a real problem is, uh, you know, someone not liking your Facebook post. Yeah, something like you that, know? you know. It was, uh, it's just like that. But, yeah, it, it, it's true. It's, uh, you know, and it, it, once again, you just manufacture these, these dramas, you know, because it's easier than, than going out and doing shit, yeah. you know. And uh, I, I don't understand it because it's, but, you know, uh, it's, <clears throat> I, the only thing I can control is myself and my family. Yeah. And I'm trying, you know, I, I'm trying to instill that in my, uh, not just in, in my kids, but, you know, my wife and I were always trying to, be, you know, become a little bit better. Uh, that's one thing I've definitely learned with uh, my wife is, you know, we are the, we are the core of this family. I think a lot of people with, who have kids, uh, you know, put their kids first and they don't give them, you know, the core, the strength, the roots of the family, enough attention. And then when the, you know, the mother and the father aren't strong, then everything else breaks apart and you see it all the time. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, uh, that's actually, what, what, what you said there is actually essentially uh, the definition of being a spiritual person. Uh, the definition of being spiritual is to take responsibility for what you create moment to moment. You know, pe- people think being spiritual means you have to pray or go to a church or go to a temple or be uh, be Bud- or be follow Buddhism, but it's not really all being spiritual is is realizing that you are responsible for everything you do in your life, and it's really refreshing to hear you say that too, and also hear that, you know, and, and also hear that you and your wife realize that if you two don't put each other first and be happy, you won't have a happy life, you won't have a happy household. Therefore, no. yeah, you won't. So it's. It's refreshing to hear that because uh, I have to say parenting and child development is something I always read into because even going back to our discussion there on like society kind of, you know, with people kind of going around with the way of the world and they have everything at their fingertips, like what really dictates a- an organism's expression is the environment. And so the environment, okay. the environment you set up is just so, so important. Be that your home environment, training environment, that's always going to dictate your results and essentially the person you're going to turn out to be 
Uh, Jim, just uh, there, there's some questions here on Facebook. Uh, summer training, yeah. s- summer training, some summer life. Um, there's one or two that I still want to ask for before we go. Um, one of the questions was your 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 programming philosophy. Someone said, you know, ask Jim how how he writes programs. What's his idea with programs? If you want to answer that, that's uh, very very easy. Uh, it's I always have four principles I stick by. Uh, and when I write programs, it's one is start light, uh, progress slow, uh, use big movements, you know, full range movements, and uh, set PRs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now, of course, there's always different variations of all those things, but the bottom line is everything I, I do tr- uh, programming wise is based on those four principles. Now, after that, you know, the, what you see is on paper is just a an expression of, you know, try this, try that, and then this, I know this would work, I know this wouldn't work. So, but those are the four things I've learned uh, that I believe make up a good, and a, well, I should say great training program. So other than that, as long as, uh, the rest is just trial and error mm. and years of experience kind of stuff, but that's pretty much it. And I, I don't know if there's... Uh, there's no like uh, secret other than you know than experience and having um, some kind of I call it anchor some kind of anchor to to hold you down and make you uh, it's just like they call it the ten commandments kind of bullshit or something yeah, yeah. you know that you can live you can really uh, satisfy those four things because I believe in those four things brilliant so that's pretty much how I write the programs and after that you just kind of manipulate certain things you know but uh, and the other thing I would probably say is uh, when you're writing a program uh, you have to look at the big picture of you know all of, of what you're doing that includes um, you know speed jumping stuff like that throws uh, recovery you have to look at um, your warm up your flexibility uh, your goal setting your attitude um, stuff like that so it all comes into play I think too many times and I'm definitely guilty of this myself is, is, uh, is not looking at the big picture and not set, setting uh, you know goals for each phase uh, on each on each let's say six week phase or something and not setting specific goals for each part of those whether they be specific number goals or just frequency goals for example like I'm going to do uh, you know, mobility work three times a day. You know, so that would be uh, you know a, a, a goal that you would set. It's not so much a performance goal, but then this, like, listen, I'm going to do uh, you know at the end of this cycle, I want to be able to box jump 40 inches or something. Mm-hmm. So, so I just looking at those four core beliefs and looking at training and the step away and look at a bigger picture. It's not just the waste that you left. It's everything and being accountable for everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, there's an there's an old video uh, with you talking. Uh, it's like a it's 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 in a gym. It's um it was an elite FDS seminar. Like Jason Farouge is there, Cosgrove was there, and uh, there's there's a bit in it I love because anytime I get into really like deep conversations on training, like I, I always get reminded of this clip of you just saying, "Fuck it, you know it's not that complicated. Just squat it." deadlifted, push and pull it, you'll figure the shit out. <laughs> I just, I'm all, yeah, well, I, it's, it's, I, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to that. In that, I think uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, get hamstrung, you know, by there's so much information out there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. And uh, at the end of the day, the only, you know, as long as you're doing something, you're you're going to be on the right track. It may not be the best thing, but uh, you're better off doing something than nothing. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Jim, just I, I haven't I, I've tried not to, but I suppose it, it's hard not to with you on the podcast mention five three one because yeah. it's 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 kind of it's yeah. kinda, it's kind of like when you speak to a musician and like I don't know like it'd be like talking to Jack White the White Stripes and mention Seven Nation Army and he'd probably be like oh god not Seven Nation Army or talking to like the Chili Peppers and talking about Californication, yeah. but like I suppose yeah. five three one is what you're known for. Um, so I, I only have real yeah. two, I've only got two questions with it. Uh, well, three I suppose. Like, how did it start, and then why Why did you write the follow-up beyond 531? So those two. Okay. How it started was, uh, I kind of go over this in the book, but to make a long story short, I, I had just uh, had Mason, my oldest son, and I, I wanted to stop thinking so much and trying to figure out all this different shit, and I just wanted to go in the room with a set group of numbers, go in there, you know, train like I used to train. This is how I used to train uh, the basic principles of how I used to train for the first, you know, 15 years of my life. I loved, I, I missed it. I missed, you know, setting PRs and getting in there and having incredible amount of purpose. But I didn't want to think. So it took me about, I don't know, I'd say maybe a year and a half to figure out everything. And it sounds, I was like, eh, how could that? It's so simple. Well, no one's fucking done it before, so, you know, it's okay. <laughs> so it took me a little bit of time to come up with everything and understand all the principles. But that's how it basically started. It was just I didn't want to think anymore. I just wanted to have an Excel sheet, you know, with all my numbers and just go in and just bust my ass and then get out. Yeah. So that's basically how it started. Now, it took a long time, you know, to, to figure out all the little shit and, and stuff like that. And then uh, what was the other question? Uh, well, why the beyond? Why the beyond book? Yeah. Well, the, the the real reason is you know I wrote that book. I want to say I don't remember the year. I have a copy sitting there, so I don't remember. Uh, Two thousand nine, I think I wrote the book is when it came out. Mm. And in that time, you know I have you know you you learn. I mean it's and all that stuff in the beyond book. I mean it's there's stuff in there that uh, you know I'm, I just wanted to share. And I think it makes tremendous improvements in the program. Now, the, the basic program I still use a lot. I just use it set from November until, uh, shit, I can't remember, what, I don't even know, to April. Very vanilla. I call it the vanilla five on the basic program. Um, and I just use that for that because I needed to get back and, and bust some PRs, you know, some high rep PRs and get a little stupid. Uh, but the, you know, I didn't stop learning, I didn't stop training, I didn't stop discussing stuff with some of my friends and stuff and experimenting. So that's just a result of me trying to make things better, trying to do things better, looking for different ways without sacrificing the four things that I believe in. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, this book took a long time to write. Usually it takes about a year to two years to write a book. At least for me, maybe I don't have the writing prowess or the whatever that other people do. Um, so it, you know, it's a lot of years of, of experimenting and figuring stuff out. And uh, I think that is my best work. Every book 
to outdo the other one. Yeah. People may not believe it or may not agree with it, but that's what I try. I never want to put out a substandard thing I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, we're working on a new book right now, and you know, it's been about a year. It's going to take another year, two years to, to finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe another, and uh, so you know where this one goes. You know who knows. You know, everything's trying to evolve. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make things better. That's it. I'm, I'm, I really am. Yeah. Well, that's, and, that's, uh, that's, it's because I still have that passion to be better. Hmm. I'm still looking for ways. You know, I think when that dies, then I die. Yeah. You know, I can't fake it, and uh, so. I think that I think that I think I wanted I wanted to evolve the program. I wanted to do more. Yeah. So. And just w- one final question on five three one, and this kind of yeah. th- th- this kind of annoys annoys me to be honest, because I think it's just people trying just to be negative for negative sake. You know, they go, they uh-huh. they, they they say there isn't enough overload to get stronger in five three one, and it's kind of like you know, like who we, who who are we talking about here? You know, it's usually like really really strong guys saying, oh, if I did this, I might get weaker, and it's all like. So what what would your answer be to like you know there isn't enough overload in the main lift you know in like the you know the two five and then the arm wrapping and the three and the arm wrapping the five three one in week three what what would your answer be there Jim because there seems to be a lot of people I know who've gotten strong off it. Uh, my answer uh, then don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me any if you don't like it or if you don't agree with it uh, because any program will work if you believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in general. Okay. <laughs> and I, 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 then don't then do something else. Like yeah. I'm not gonna sit here. I mean we've I don't wanna sound like a dick or anything, but you know, there's been we've I don't know how many copies we've sold, I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, some people don't believe in the program, it's not gonna work. But, you know, I got you know, probably hundreds hundreds of thousands of people that it did work for. Yeah. yeah. And it may that if, even if it's just a stepping stone or, you know, whatever you want to say, that's, that's good with me, too, because I, I want other people to, to develop their own way, too, mm-hmm. just like I have. Yeah, um, yeah. So my response is, and this, you know, I just don't care. Yeah. You know, if you don't think it works, then just don't do it. Yeah. They don't have to. It's not. Uh, and uh, so, I don't know. I guess, you know, years ago I, I would have been, you know, trying to defend this and that, but you know, I'm not gonna. Then it's like people who defend their religion, you know, based on faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just you know, if you're I, I, as, as you as, 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 just just let it go. As you, with, as you, you said know, earlier, I, I don't need some. As as you said earlier, that kind of comes with maturity. You know that sort of uh, you know like there's really no point because you realize you're just not going to win the the argument if you get into it. So. Yeah, I'm not gonna convince anyone to to do whatever so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I encourage anyone to you know whatever I always try to tell you know your program that you do is going to be a large reflection on you of your personality you know yeah. uh, and you know I love the competitive aspect of the PR set mm. other people oh it's, I hate the pressure and the draining well then that's definitely not the program for you yeah, but true. I feed off that man I just I, I love being put on the spot like I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's you know, we, as it's, and it's funny because we go back to you know Louis C.K. and all this stuff. And the, we, how many physical, insane challenges do we have in our life anymore? None. You know, none. Yeah, and it's like at least I 
Yeah. So, and I, I just love, I, I just don't, I guess I, it's hard for me to understand that some people don't want to just go bald sometimes, but, you know, uh, whatever. So, but that's largely, if you look at the program, I, you know, it's a big reflection on the personality as far as, uh, you know, doing the PR stuff and, and getting a little stupid. I yeah. love doing that. Yeah, yeah. Big time. So. Big time. Uh, I, I, it's, I, I, you, like, this is the first time we ever spoke, but, uh, yeah. I, uh, so like, so you wouldn't know my, my background, but I, I interned with, with Michael Boyle, um, and when, when I went, okay. when I went, that was back five years ago when your book came out, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but, but Mike loved five three one, and he actually implemented it with his athletes when I was there at Boyle's. He modified, cool. he modified it to to eight six four, but it, it was just, it, it just, I just wanted to let you know that like how, how much profound impact it had, not only on like lifting enthusiasts but even like coaches like like coach Boyle, like he really loved that book you know he he said like it came out and he bought it and he read it and he goes this this is a really nice program and he just so i just thought he, i just thought it'd be cool letting you know that that even like coach Boyle yeah. put put it in his 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 facility for i think like i think he rented for like six months worth of program and they're like it's uh it's uh very uh it's, it's always like it's always humbling whether it be from I you know a guy who just wants to be strong and you know does stuff in the gym to the professionals uh, so to speak uh, you know that they do have you know did influence or make them think or whatever so it, yeah. it's always an honor no matter who it is you know yeah. it's kind of cool that uh, you know I don't know it's just it, it is very flattering I have yeah. to I'm not going to lie to you you know, I'm not going to be like, well, oh, you know, it happens all the time because it doesn't. I yeah. don't hear about it a lot, so. Yeah. Uh, so, Jim, yeah, I'm, still, I'm still a fan, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, so Jim, I, I have four more questions, so it's, it's up to yourself yeah. how fast you want to answer. Like, I, I, I don't know if you're in a rush. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. No, like, uh, no. Uh, just, uh, no. <laughs> the, there's a, a powerlifter uh, wanted to ask, and this is kind of myself too even, um, what advice would you give to someone getting into powerlifting and they're in their early to mid-twenties, so they're young enough at the same time? What advice? Uh, man. Um, how about this? This is the... Uh, a friend of mine who I train with at Westside, uh, Will, who's my, you know, my, my best friend, and uh, we talk about a lot of... A lot of you know, training stuff, obviously, and he's actually the first person who really did some of the beyond work. Uh, but anyway, uh, Will, uh, and I talked, talked about this last week, he was here, and I guess the best advice I would give is uh, don't neglect the other shit. And the other shit means, uh, you know, a little bit of conditioning work um, and the stretching and the mobility stuff. Because even 10 minutes a day of flexibility mobility work, uh, which is not asking anything, really not. Yeah. And doing, uh, you know, a weight vest walk or the airdyne bike or, you know, stuff like that, anything. Uh, doing that three or four times a week. The, the shit that you will avoid uh, will be great. So don't just comp, you know, of course your total is the most important thing. Obviously in pilot, that's what you work towards is the total. 
Yeah. Uh, but don't neglect the other areas because it will catch up to you. And it's, it's going to be gradual, gradual, and then all of a sudden you're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, the, the one thing, you know, death and taxes, right? You're going to you know, all agree those are the things that uh, you can count on. Well, you can, if you train with weights, you can count on your body betraying you. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you have an option to delay it a little bit longer, you know, it could be 10 years, 5 years, something like that, then do it. Yeah. And, I, you know, take training, you know, don't neglect the box jumps either. Don't neglect the throws. Don't neglect, uh, you know, the speed, the flex, uh, I'm sorry, the flexibility, mobility work. Don't neglect the conditioning. Uh, learn basic eating habits. Uh, again, I don't, you don't have to, you know, become Papa Paleo, you know, and be fucking crazy about it, but, you know, learn some basic nutrition shit because it will carry over. It's those uh, very simple, basic things. It's not about the steps and reps. You know, everyone kind of knows how to do that, but just, just be fucking smart. You know, look down the road a little bit. The other thing is, I, it sounds the exact opposite, but it always bothers me when I see a 40-year-old person say, I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. And I think, what a fucking waste of life. <laughs> you know? What a waste. Because your time when you're young is the time to be just dumb. You know, do, do the, you know, and, and I know people will probably criticize me for saying this, but, you know, go out and fucking do it. Go get it. You know, because you're not going to have another time in your life when you can do it. Yeah, yeah. And you're healthy. You're, well, you're reasonably healthy. You know, it's funny because my wife was like, uh, you know, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, oh, I feel great. You know, I was in a motorcycle accident. That just basically ruined me. And, I said, I'm like, I feel great today. And I'm like, ironically, if you were to ask me how I felt today 10 years ago, I'm like, this is the worst I've ever felt. You know, so my, my paradigm, my way of looking at shit's a lot different now. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, people are, I think, scared a little bit about getting a little banged up. I wear my shit with pride. You know, mm. I really do. Mm. I've lived an awesome life, man. Mm. I really have. If, if I could have written, you know, when I was, 15 or 20 years old, like my dream life, I couldn't imagine how I am today. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? Shit sucks some days. I, you know, I'm hurt some days from the, you know, like getting dragged down the street, you know, going 70 miles an hour for, you know, I get dragged 100 yards, you know, on my back. And, uh, you know, I got hit by a car and a motorcycle. And, you know, that, it sucks, you know, but you got you talk about just, you gotta take life and just go out and do it, you know, go set some records, go push yourself to, to things you never thought possible. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I don't, re- I don't regret a damn thing. And it's not even like me trying to justify what I've done or how, you know, some of the stuff. Like, I am happy. I'm literally happy. I, I have no regrets. Mm. And, uh, so, I don't know, I just wish, I just, that's the one thing I, I just wish I could get across to people is just enjoy it, man, because it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You have a choice. Every day you wake up and you got a choice. You can either be shitty or you, you can be a great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's, to me, there's only one option. Yeah. Why do you want to be shitty? Yeah. So anyway, but uh, that'd be my big advice is just don't neglect the small stuff because it literally takes, you know, here's the thing. Is I always, Kevin Garnett, the, the basketball player, you know, said it takes no, no talent to give great efforts. Mm-hmm. And it takes no talent to be in shape. You know, there's like nothing more unathletic than just riding a stationary bike or pushing.
do any of that shit. So, you know, being out of shape is literally a, a lack of effort. Yeah. So, all right. It doesn't take that much time. Come on, wake up. You wake up 30 minutes early. Fuck me. All right, what's the next question? <laughs> oh, it's all great. Uh, what well, what have been the biggest mistakes and the biggest changes you have made over the last say five years? Uh, five years. Five, uh, five, five, whatever, whatever. Five, ten years, your whole life, whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, the, the, the biggest mistake again would be, uh, you know, I grew up. Stretching was important. Mobility shit was important. Jumping was important. Uh, keeping in shape. I mean, I was, you know. Someone asked me what my some of my best runs were. You know, like you know, I ran uh, two miles in less than twelve minutes. You know, that was when I was squatting around five hundred. Uh, you know, I ran a fifty-two four hundred meter sprint. You know, and uh, I was fairly consistent at, at that. Um, and then I got away from that because. Part of me was like, dude, I did this for, you know, 15, 20 years of my life. I just don't want to run anymore. I don't want to do this. I just want to train. Mm. So I lift. And I neglected all the shit that I've learned. And I knew in my heart it wasn't right. I just didn't do it. So that's the one thing I regret. Uh, and uh, I guess, like I said, I don't have any regrets. But that's the one thing I would probably change. You know, whatever. Um, and what was the, the big change I've made? Uh well, with training, just in general, as you realize when you get a little bit older and you get a lot of, not so much older, but you get more experienced, is, and my wife uh, keeps on hounding this in me, is I don't need to train a billion times a week, you know, lifting and stuff. I don't need to, um, a million sets or anything like that. I just need to to do the, you know, some very basic stuff and I'm fine. I don't need a million exercises of assistance work, uh, stuff like that, but you still kind of, you see this all the time. It's like, well, this is what I did when I was 18, you know, and I know it worked for me then. It's like, well, you're not 18 anymore. You're 30, you know, and so shit changes. And so it's just the change that I made was, you know, I, the strongest I ever, basically the strongest I ever was, I squat and deadlifted every other week. I benched or pressed every other week. And I pushed the power three times a week. And I, the only assistance work I did was really chin dips, some ab work, and maybe a little extra pressing overhead to my shoulders. And people, you know, look at our paper, it's like, well, you didn't do that much. And it's like, well, no, you know, maybe for you it wasn't that much, but yeah, at the time there was a lot of work, a lot of prowler work, stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, just ignoring what's, it's just funny, you ignore what you read and you just go by feel, mm -hmm. not by, but you go with what you know in your heart. Uh, is right, and when you do that, when I started doing that, it's when I started really making progress and stuff like that, and really, you know, seeing training as you know this constantly evolving uh, process for for everyone. It's it's so, it's like it's, you can't go ahead. Is that, so, and then I say you know, go, the, real quick, the other big change I made, and this is life was uh, getting married to uh, Juliet. Uh, mm. uh, as far as uh, my wife has gotten a million times better. Um, you know, she is, she never really, she just brings out the best in me no matter what. And we, I've gotten better since being with her. I've gotten to feel a way better person. And, uh, we're having a great, uh, you know, partner in crime. She, I always tell her, she's always my alibi. You know, if you, you always got to find someone who's going to willing to, to lie for you to the police. 
Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, he was at home. I swear. And uh, <laughs> I found that person. And you ask any of my friends, it's funny because they're like, Jesus Christ, you guys are never been seen two people more made for each other. And uh, you know, we've been together for four years, and we've never fought. And you know, many people think that's strange, but I don't know. Like, why do I want to create drama? This is my home. This is my this is my life. You know, this is my person. This is her. Mm. Like, what the fuck do I need to fight about? That we can't just discuss, you know, rationally and then move on with our lives. Yeah. You know, so I think people in marriage and relationships think you've got to make all this effort, and, and like I make effort in every area of my life. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with work. You got to deal with social shit and all this stuff. I don't want to have to do that with the person that I'm spending my rest of my life with. Like it's just to me, it's obscene. I just don't need more shit in my life, you know? Yeah. So, but that's just my take on that, but that's just definitely uh, my partner in crime. That's know? Plus, that. she's fucking hot. <laughs> yes. She's fucking, fucking beautiful, so, but whatever, so. That's like, uh, you know, J- Jason Ferruja, with his wife, Jenny, says the same thing, and she goes, plush, my wife's smoking hot. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I just, uh, you know, but she's, you know, there's a million things I can tell you about, you know, how great she is, but the bottom line is for me, it's just I found my person. Yeah, and uh, that's great. I only wish that everyone would too. You know, I think people suffer, you know, through some shitty marriages and they try and justify it here and there, but, you know, you, I'm not telling everyone to get divorced if they're not happy. That's kind of a bullshit response, but uh, don't get married unless you, I mean, a hundred billion times percent sure, because that's, you know, that's for, you know, it's gonna ruin your life in a lot of ways if it's not good. So yeah, I suppose you, you know, you, and and also you know you gotta take kids into consideration too. But uh, yeah. like it's 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 funny that you know the the like again I I go back to Paul Czech like he you know I, I think too we're we're in a society where people think that you know like they, they again it's kind of going back to training people think like it's black and white I think we're going off the beaten path here with marriage but anyway fuck it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but like you know with marriage I think some people think like you know the black answer is you, you know you, you find one person and you spend the rest of your life with them and that may be the case for some people but for others it might be two or three people that that that, that they spend their life with and you know it might be with someone and then the nourishment leaves and, and then you know the honest thing to do is to part ways and then you might find someone else you spend yeah. the rest of your life with so yeah you're, you're dead right though you, you got to make sure that you know before you ever get married like I, I, to be honest between me and you and the other fucking thousand listeners between me and you and the other like 10,000 people who are going to listen to this like I have a lot of I have a lot of male friends you know who 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 in the past you know have had girlfriends and, and they just they don't stay you know well like you know they, they just they'd go out with other girls behind their back and I'm just like why why not just stay single like then I don't understand so I'm just like you know just 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 stay single and when you find the one then settle down and then if that doesn't work out just move on like yeah, that's, you know, I, I I don't have the best track record with women, so I, uh, <laughs> at least you're, at least, I, I feel like, at least oh, you're yeah, honest, I'm at least not, you're honest though, Jim. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, that's the honest, that, that is the honest, I don't, uh, I've had a lot of shitty relationships, and, you know, the, the funny thing is, I could sit there and point the finger at every woman, and then you realize that the only common denominator was me, Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, training, you evolve, and you, you and you learn, and, you grow a little bit here, uh, you know, pun 
you, you just become a little bit more mature and you realize that, uh, you know, this is what you really need. And, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, is when I met Juliet, like, there was never, and I knew within two minutes. I'm like, ah, I'm fucking marrying this girl. I just know. And I've never had that feeling ever in my life. Is, is that is well, that is yeah, that how you propose to her? You want you want to fucking get married? Yeah, uh, yeah. We gotta fucking do this or what? Huh? <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually did a very, uh, a very. I don't want to say I don't know if it's romantic, but I did the whole thing, you know, and uh, I did it in front of my uh, my entire family, and you know, it wasn't uh, people were obviously I did it as a with a lot of humor involved, and uh, but it was a. Yeah, she deserves something a little different, so yeah. I wasn't just going to ask her. That was awesome. So, I, I, we knew, like, we knew within the first day. I'm like, we, I just, I told her, I'm like, yeah, you know, we're getting married, and she's like, yeah, okay. That's great. Know, so, uh, so whatever. So I, I, I've uh, final two questions, and uh, just one thing actually I wanted to touch on. You spoke about you know the strongest you ever were was when you were you know benching and, and pressing you know every other week and squatting and deadlifting every week. Like, uh, again, that goes back to people thinking, oh, you know, black and white, you know, how did you get strong in that? But if you think about it too, someone of your strength, you probably are at such a stage where you need that recovery in between all those lifts. And that's why you probably got stronger too, because, you know, you're... Yeah, well, without it... Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, I have a lot of training history, you know. Uh, you know, when I first, I think when I first started lifting, you know, I was probably like 10 15 years ago you know you would have given me a lot of different answers than some of the answers you would have given me today like i mean your life's changed you're married and you have a kid now so you know priorities change yeah yeah i mean it's i don't know if the the, the, yeah, the priorities have changed as uh especially when you get married you have a kid you have a family yeah uh you know obviously i have a business and doing all that shit but uh you know i still want to get stronger you know, oh yeah, well, well maybe yeah, sorry. So, let, let me yeah. let, let, let me rephrase that. Uh, uh, priority yeah. pr- priority was the wrong word. Circumstances change. Sorry. Like, yeah, you're so yeah. So you just have to you know work around that. Yeah. And there's a, a chapter in the, the in the Beyond book at the end. It's it's you know you have to like you know what is the best for me? Two days a week, three days a week, four 
know, if you're like, I can only train twice a week, well, fuck it, dude. That's your circumstances. Make it work for you. Yeah. Whatever it is, make it work. And so whatever you can honestly do, just commit to it and believe in it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then it's going to fucking fail no matter what you do. Seven days a week, two days a week, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's really about being honest with your current situation, your commitment, and what you're, what you're able to give. Yeah. And then uh, make it work. Because what's the other option? Yeah. You know, fail? That's fucking awful. Yeah, but I think too, you know, a lot of people that it's it's more so the fear of failure people have. But I love this saying by Samuel Beckett. It's like, and I'm paraphrasing. It's like, you know, fail, uh, then fail again and fail better. As if like, so what if you fail? So just get up again and fail better the next time. And if, yeah. you, and, and if you fail again, well, fail I, well, again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I mean failure. I mean just giving up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that is what you failure know. is. It's it's not it's not actually not about winning or accomplish it's about like did you have the fucking balls to, to have a go at it in yeah. the first place yeah it's funny I told my wife uh, last week she was uh, we were talking about uh, you know draft was going on and stuff like that and I, I told her I said you know the, the greatest thing I learned when I was playing football was when I stopped being scared to fail yeah because when you're you know you're playing football you, you, know, you don't know just like any team sport that's you know as soon as you fuck up, everyone knows. The coach is like, what the hell, God? You know, you suck. You literally suck so bad. And it's like, fuck, man. I don't even, I need to get scared. Yeah. Not scared, but you're like, I don't want to. So when I reached that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and just go balls. And if, you know, if something bad happens, that's fine. But at least I went out swinging. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's the old the movie uh, Signs with uh, Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix held a record for... Uh, longest home run ever hit, and most home runs, but he also held the record for most strikeouts. Mm. And someone was making fun of him, and they said, why'd you strike out so much? And he said, because I felt that it was wrong not to swing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's funny, because when I made that, I made a mental decision, you know, I remember this. I remember where I was, and I remember the circumstances, and I was, you know, I walked on, and from that day on, uh, it, that was during spring football. And then the following summer camp, I was playing all the time. And I got I ended up uh, getting a scholarship at the end of two of days, or three days. And uh, I was like, Jesus, this, you know, it, it changed my life. You know, literally changed my life. I mean, it, it was a huge uh, thing for me, so... Yeah, I, yeah, we should probably, you know, failure is just giving up. Failure is not, you know, not missing a rep or anything like that. You know, failure is just not trying for it. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, uh, last two then, Jim, to just to, to, to wrap mm-hmm. up on, you, what, what, what are your current goals for life and training?
Oh yeah, I am big time. Bike. Yeah, big time. You can move yeah, the handles. Yeah. Oh, they're they're a terrible, terrible machine. They're so <laughs> yeah. yeah, they yeah, fucking kill you. Yeah. I did a lot of airdyne work uh, in the uh, for, uh, when I was in high school, and I kind of came back to that. Uh, but anyway, I I want to do one year. I want to log enough miles to, to cross the United States. But that ends up being about eight miles a day on that thing. Awesome. So that's the other thing I want to do. Um, with life, I want to want to put out a CD with my band. With I uh, play in a band, so we want to get that done, which is just a matter of sitting, at, you know, putting it all on CD and, and doing that. Uh, two is that I want to move my family to Texas. We want to get there. That's where my oldest son lives. And I'm, we, I travel out there every month. And it's just much easier if I live close to him. Uh, three, I want to put out the NOV book, which is a book I'm writing for my sons, to my sons, uh, about anything from training to some of the life stuff that we talked about today that covers a billion areas. Uh, so it's kind of my, you know, my clock, my declaration to them about life and training. And then uh, we want to do, we have a couple more books that we've already outlined and discussed, my wife and I. Um, you know, we want to do a, a, a female training thing that allows her to, um, you know, she's done uh, powerlifting, she's done uh, tons of figure stuff, um, stuff like that. And just put her knowledge about training and diet uh, in a book. And then we want to do something uh, called Regain, Retain, Remain. Uh, it's basically a book that allows people to train in a more athletic fashion that covers all areas, you know, from running to jumping and all the you know, different programming and ideas and stuff. And it allows people to look beyond just, you know, the, either the clean and jerk and snatch or the um, squat, bench and deadlift. Mm. So it's more of a complete training and Right now, like I just, I'm starting to think and develop a, a more total program for everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. That addresses all these issues, and then you can just kind of plug stuff in, you know, whatever your goal is or whatever you're interested in, as long as you're doing one of these 15 or 20 things, you'll be fine. Mm. So it's, it's, uh, it's just trying to make, give more variety into a very structured way, in a very structured way. So it's kind of a, awesome. so that's, uh, that's the goal. And then obviously just, I just want to uh, keep up with having a great attitude. I think that's, you know, and just continue to live my life and love my life. And, uh, you know, it, it, we always, you know, people ask me, you know, the meaning of life. And it's just, I just want to be able to positively influence the, my circle of people. And, you know, obviously with, uh, the book and everything and, and stuff like that. My circle of influence is much bigger than a, the person who doesn't have, you know, that. So my, I just want to influence and do better within that circle. Mm. And uh, so there you go. Final question then, Jim. That's is, it. Your f final question then is just um, yeah. any any advice at all. What's what's your closing part of advice? To, to, can, can can be anything. Can be anything. Doesn't have to be limited to training. Uh, all right, there's, uh, here's, uh, in life in general, here's the, you just have your passion and follow your heart, whatever it is. Uh, so that's, 
one thing. And then with marriage, there's only two things I tell people. One, always live below your means because there's nothing that will kill a relationship faster than uh, financial troubles. Mm. And uh, number two is always date your wife. Oh. Make her feel like she was when the first month that you were dating her. You know, never stop that because you, you do those two things, you'll have a lot less drama and you'll always be in love. Good. That's, yeah. that's great stuff, that's Jim. Uh, Jim, we, we went over our allotted 45 minutes. You're, you're an absolute gentleman and I really, really appreciate you taking time out of your, your minute. No, dude, I, I, I appreciate you uh, letting me have a platform to speak and I know we've had to uh, apologize sometimes. You know, you're on a different time zone and I don't check Facebook very often. Oh, so I it's, that's okay. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, worry. So, don't, but, don't worry at all. But thank you for being patient and thank you for allowing me to speak and I, I appreciate the uh, taking time out of your day and I appreciate everyone who uh, listened to it. So, okay. uh, thank you. I, I appreciate everyone. Thanks for the support and for believing in some of the, some of the stuff I say. Other stuff, obviously not. Awesome. But uh, I appreciate it. No problem at all. Jim, yeah. if you just uh, just stay online for just another minute while I wrap up yeah. the show, I'll, I'll say goodbye to you offline. So, guys, what an interview! What what an interview with Mr. Jim Wilner. Uh, please check out you know anything. I'll put all of Jim's details up in the show notes. You know, so you can you can see all his. Uh, you know, you have a website, Jim. Yes. Uh, yeah. www.jimwilner.com. And uh, I'll I'll put that. I'll put that in the, yeah, pretty simple. I'll put that in the show notes, and you'll you'll be able to see all of Jim's previous books and any new products that Jim will have out soon. And you know, if you haven't read Five Three One or Beyond Five Three One, or any of Jim's articles like on T Nation, you know, you're you're definitely missing out. So, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast, downloading and supporting. Please leave a review on iTunes so we can bump up the amount of listens that we get. So, take care, be well, and stay strong. And I'll talk to everyone soon. <laughs>